Welcome to the Do Good Radio Hour with Bluegrass Community Foundation. Here at Bluegrass Community Foundation, we believe doing good inspires good. It's the gift that keeps on giving. The intention behind the show is to encourage you by sharing the undeniable good happening within our community. Tune into the Do Good Radio Hour every Monday at 2 p.m. to hear about the good that is the heartbeat of our community and how you can get more involved. The Do Good Radio Hour is about to enter into a new season starting with this episode because the Good Giving Challenge is finally here. If you don't know what that is, the Good Giving Challenge is an annual week-long online giving event that rallies the community in support of our local nonprofits. And this year, 2021, is the 11th annual Good Giving Challenge, which will kick off on Giving Tuesday, November 30th, and run through Monday, December 6th. This is our biggest year ever with 179 nonprofits who are participating. So we want you to come out and show your support at bggives.org and then mark your calendars for Giving Tuesday so you can get ready to give. So for the next upcoming episodes, we are going to interview several nonprofits who are involved with the Good Giving Challenge and just allow them to share their stories. So stay tuned and continue listening because we have four awesome nonprofits on this episode who are ready to share about the life-changing work that they are doing in our community. Stay tuned. BGCF is thrilled to hear from Gina Clavine, the founder and artistic director of the Allegro Dance Project. Their slogan is, we move to move you. And we are about to learn more about what that entails. So welcome, welcome, Gina. Thank you so much for talking to us today. Of course, and we want to know all about the awesome mission and programming of the Allegro Dance Project. As I said, before we got started, I've been keeping up with your social media and you all are doing all kinds of amazing stuff. It seems like nothing can stop you. So tell us about that. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's kind of one of the funny things. It seems like the question we get asked most often is how did we adapt in the time of a pandemic. And that's kind of our whole the, our whole thing. It's all about being adaptive and inclusive and diverse and accessible. And so it was really just finding new ways to keep doing our mission. So we've been doing just that. We've been really busy with our inclusive dance outreach program where we visit schools. Right now we're going outside in our masks, dancing in the sunshine. It's a wonderful way to get the kids outside, still moving in a safe way. And then we also have adaptive dance classes where we do adaptive ballet, adaptive contemporary, and a class that mimics our outreach program. And then we have performance events each season as well. Awesome. Obviously, dance and the arts are incredibly vital to the vibrancy of a community. But what do you think is Allegro Dance Project's largest impact on the community? Definitely inclusion. Um, I grew up as a ballet dancer, and especially ballet is kind of prides itself on being very exclusive. And that always bothered me. So I wanted to find a way to make the art of dance more accessible, more inclusive, more diverse. So we went with a contemporary company where we can still hone all of those skills and techniques, but a very inclusive and adaptive delivery of outreach and classes so that everyone can participate. Of course, the combination of the concept of your organization mixed with dance and art is a very electric combination, if I do say so. One that produces stories, I'm sure, that are moving. So do you mind telling us a story about your time with the company that particularly strikes you? Gosh, it's so hard to narrow it down to just one. We've, we've had instances where we've worked with a young lady who started art classes crawling into the studio and in time began to learn how to walk and balance and dance and We've, we've worked with students who are nonverbal. I think I'll go with this story because it's a little shorter and easier to tell. Um, we had a, a student that we worked with in outreach programming that would always answer no thank you, which was very polite, you know, something maybe more people should use, but we'd say, hey, do you want to dance with us today? No, thank you. Do you want to take your shoes off? No, thank you. And this went on for years and it was, you know, just that just came to be our dialogue and we would just keep being consistent. And eventually we said, hi, would you like to dance today? Yes. And we were like, what? <laughs> just to, um, again, just be consistent and persistent and inclusive. And eventually all of a sudden we got a yes. And fast forward seven years later, she dances in all of our shows. She takes classes with us every week. She talks to us all the time. So <laughs> it was just, 
one of those things for, I think it was maybe a solid two, two or three years where the only words I'd ever heard this young lady say were no, thank you. And then all of a sudden we got a yes. And then the words just have not stopped. So just a way of like really opening up expression and you, you just would never think that a dance class would help someone communicate. But, um, if you've danced before, you kind of feel it in your soul and it sometimes just comes out in all different ways. I love the idea of being consistent. You know, I grew up being a dancer as well. And dance class was something I knew was always going to be there for me. It was consistent. It was something I looked forward to every week and it was not going to change. It was the same. And that's so important. Is there a a building that you all have, or do you travel around to different places or do you have a place where people come for classes? Well, we're totally outreach based where we go all around Fayette County and, and neighboring counties, but then we have classes at Bluegrass Youth Ballet and at Artworks where students can come to us. But no matter what, we try and keep the at least the beginning part of class a routine because as you know from being a dancer, that can really help build confidence when you know exactly what to expect. You know you're going to be able to master it, excel at it, and really build that confidence. And then we continue working on more progressive skills as we go. But just that sense of routine and the sense of repetition that really can build that confidence and expression. And then also that sense of community that you can feel with people who are also, you know, working hard right next to you, but doing something that they enjoy and in a passionate, joyful way. It's just that we really kind of found our own little community. Well, our community that's growing quite big as we go. For sure. I can see that just from an outsider's perspective. I'm like, wow, thank you so much. It's so awesome. <laughs> and so I guess the whole reason why we're talking today is because the Good Giving Challenge is almost here. And I know how successful the Allegro Dance Project was last year. I remember just seeing your name pop up on so many different things. So what are you looking <laughs> to do this year with the challenge? And then also, why should people give to you this year? We first of all, I just have to say thank you. We are so grateful. We're in the grand scheme of the nonprofit world. We're still kind of a baby as far as how how long we've been around. This is just our eighth year that we're in right now. And to grow from serving just around 50 children our first year, which at the time I thought that was a lot. I was like, wow, we got to share the joys of dance with 50 students. And last year to share all those benefits and joys with over 600 children, I just, I never fathomed it growing that big, especially in such a short time. So we just want to thank our community for really like stepping up and supporting us and encouraging us and welcoming us with, without the Good Giving Challenge, we wouldn't be able to do any of this magic because we use the Good Giving Challenge as our annual giving campaign. So rather than begging people for support and and money all year long. We just do it once during the Good Giving Challenge. And that really sustains us for the whole year and helps us do all of these outreach sessions and classes and performances. It it really um, keeps us afloat. So we just want to say thank you to everyone that donated last year. And we hope we can count on you again this year so we can just keep creating all that magic. Obviously, you know your story way more than I do. So I love to give the last part of this just an opportunity for you to say everything you want to say. So if you have a final word that you'd like to leave people with or want to say something about the question that I didn't ask you, it's all yours. Gosh, well, you know, as a dancer, we normally like to communicate and express ourselves through movement. So this is so hard over just audio. But (laughs) I think the only thing maybe we didn't talk about that I should mention is not only is, is it movement that we're providing for our participants, We also have a very talented group of musicians that we work with, both for our performances and for our outreach program. And so it's kind of like movement therapy and music therapy all combined into one. And I think that's something really unique. And we're really excited to be able to merge the music aspect along with the movement. That's something I wish I could have had as a dancer when I was a little younger and again, it's just maybe a different approach. I know that a lot of times when people think about dance, they think of it in a very specific way. And I think uh, we just want people to keep an open mind and know that, you know, traditions and stereotypes are all made to be broken. And we just really want everyone to feel included and welcomed and celebrated no matter what. Last thing before we go, I want to make sure people can find you and look you up and get involved. So shout out what's coming up maybe in the company, but also where people can find out more about you and the awesome stuff you're doing. 
Thank you. Uh, you can definitely find us on social media. That's a great way to see us in action. As, as you mentioned, we post a lot on Instagram and Facebook so people can kind of see what an inclusive dance outreach session or adaptive dance class would look like. So we'd love for you to follow us or friend us on there and see what we're up to. You can visit our website. It's allegrodanceproject.org. We're still kind of finalizing our performance season for 2022 just to make sure that we're keeping up to date with the state of the pandemic. But We'll for sure be out the moon dance again in July. So you can definitely count on that and save the date. And we hope to provide some, some other opportunities, hopefully in the spring. So definitely keep in touch on our website and look for those performance announcements. We'll make them as soon as we feel like it's safe to set some dates. Great, well, Gina, we appreciate you and all you're doing. And I encourage everyone to go check out the Allegro Dance Project and the Good Giving Challenge coming up. Thank you. Thank you so much. The Do Good Radio Hour would like to welcome Jimmy Lewis and Jennifer Walden to the show today. They are, as they call themselves before we started, the programming team at uh, the New Opportunity School for Women. I was looking over this um, organization's website before we got started, and it's a super fascinating organization and very unique, so I'm excited to learn more about it. So let's jump right into it. Welcome to the show, Jimmy and Jennifer. Hello. Hello. Hi, Kaden. Thanks for having us. Yeah, so if one of you or both of you, I would love either one to just jump into more about your mission and your values. Sure. Our mission at the New Opportunity School is to improve the personal circumstances of under-resourced women in Appalachia, uh, whether that's uh, financial, educational, professional. Um, I like to refer to NOSW as one of Madison County's hidden gems, of which there are many. We were founded by Jane Stevenson. Uh, she's a former first lady of Berea College. And in 1987, Jane got a phone call from her good friend and former Kentucky Poet Laureate Gurney Norman. Mr. Norman had a friend in Eastern Kentucky that had recently become divorced. Uh, she had been married at a young age and all of her adult life had been raising kids and managing the home. So she missed out on a lot of education and employment opportunities. Uh, even though her life experience was filled with what we would call today the economy of care, those skills were not recognized as employable at the time. So she lacked a lot of confidence that she needed to put herself out in the professional world. And Gurney knew that Berea College had a history of um, offering programs to the communities in, in the surrounding area and wondered if, if the college had something like that. Jane's answer was, no, we don't, but we will make one. So uh, she spent time with friends and, and developed uh, the coursework of this program. It was originally a three-week program, um, is now a two-week residential program, but we, we still follow uh, the, the same core principles that Jane put in place at the time. Um, and, you know, I would say that even those uh, skills that this young woman in 1987 had at, at the time, those remain undervalued for their contribution to society and, and the economic system. So this example story from our founding, it, it continues to be a problem that negatively impacts the region and impedes the uh, personal and economic growth for a significant portion of the population. And those early experiences of Appalachian girls can have a determining factor on their perceived choices in adulthood. So when they come up in cycles of abuse or substance use disorder at home, those experiences can cause ones, um, I'll use a, a technical term that we have here, that uh, can cause their inner pilot light to dim. And our work is in helping women recognize their own value to counter some of the early programming that conditioned them to think negatively about themselves and help them build a, a foundation of personal success that they can build on. So in our residential program, 
which is the heart of our programming. We do that by offering them courses in traditional um, subjects like math and history, literature, but we also have um, is our, our specialized courses like self-esteem and establishing personal boundaries, goal setting and holistic health that offers those light bulb moments in class when you can see that they come to recognize that their past and their mistakes don't determine what future lies ahead of them. And they come to take on this attitude of curiosity about what's possible for them when they apply these lessons. And then there's courses that offer more concrete tools like time management, budgeting, resume writing, um, technical literacy. Those courses are just the icing on the cake for, for women when they've developed confidence in themselves. Yeah, yeah. There's also Appalachian history and literature that we focus on and art for self-expression and healing. Uh, so we draw from a lot of uh, community support, if you will, community resources, people who join us and bringing uh, opportunities to women uh, through, through residential programming and, and workshops that we're offering. Yeah, of course. And um, I really love that you, I was actually going to ask you to go into the history, which you already did, but I love knowing where an organization has been because it always helps me latch on to wanting to support where they're going to go. And I think the history of this organization is really rich. It has a cool story. But I saw on your, I was doing some research, as I said earlier, um, and I saw on your website, it says a new beginning is possible or something like that. And I really loved that. And that caught my eye just because I feel like seeing a phrase like that is helpful for everyone. The new beginning is possible. I didn't know if you could expound on that idea or how that is played out in your programming or I just thought that was a really great little phrase. I'll give it a start. Some of the words that I've been contemplating this morning. Um, you know, we have a person-centered approach that really honors uh, the individual lives and experiences of people that we meet, of the women that we meet. Uh, so we meet them where we are. And I think our focus on self-esteem, agency, and personal growth, um, like Jen said, it creates these light bulb moments where they realize that change not only impacts them in a positive way, but it, it, it opens other doors. It allows them to lift up other people and to see a path, you know? So it's, it's really exciting work to see that happen. So I do think that it is our person-centered and very uh, personal, I would say, intimate approach to services. Yeah. Um, and that, that piece from the website reminds me of a great Maya Angelou quote, um, and Maya's weaved into a lot of our, our programming as well, but her quote, you may not control all the events that happen to you, but you can decide not to be reduced by them. Um, and, and that is something that, that we espouse and, and try to teach our, our participants. And, uh, and those that really latch on to that notion, it, it very much is a, a new beginning for them when they have that sort of awakening moment um, where they, they realize it's, they have the agency, the freedom to, to choose uh, the next step in, in their life. Yeah, I love that. And everything you just said perfectly leads into the next question, which, you know, women helping women is so powerful. And I know this will be difficult for you all, but could you share a story from your time at the new Opportunity School for Women that just showcases the work that you do? And each one of you can share one if you'd like. Now we could spin a wheel and, and just stop at many points and tell you, you know, inspirational stories. I think Tammy is a great example. Um, Tammy is a, an Appalachian woman who um, her biological mother had her at a young age, and that was a, a psychological a, a, a cycle that continued for Tammy as well. Um, so she spent a lot of her adult, early young adulthood raising children and. Uh, working in, in the service economy, like restaurants or um, even factories in, in Clark County. Uh, and at a, a point in her adulthood, um, she had a, a horrible accident and, and um, injured her shoulder, was given 
pain medication that led to a, a severe addiction for her in her life. And, and she's very open about her story. It's featured in, in one of uh, Jane Stevenson's most recent books. But she, she will tell you that for, for several years, her addiction was the only focus in her life. And um, it, she was reduced to just, you know, find, chasing that high, getting, um, getting the substance that she needed for herself. So she became known in, in her community as, as someone who was willing to, to steal or, or rob from organizations and people. Um, and it was about in, um, in the county jail. Uh, she was picked up on, on some charge, um, but she was offered an opportunity to participate in drug court, which is a, a wonderful program that um, we, we work with locally here in Madison County and Clark County um, to recruit participants for. But uh, drug court laid a, a good foundation for Tammy. She, she wanted to become clean and sober and, and move forward with her life. And that's when she came to us. Um, and Jimmy was, was instrumental in, in getting her into our program at the time too. Yeah, I mean, opiate addiction and addiction in general is a huge issue in our region. And, you know, often because it is a prescription drug and it's a prescription drug issue, particularly with opioid use. Uh, I mean, that's it's people often become addicted after a legitimate injury and other complicating factors. Um, but yeah, so when Tammy's application came through for residential, it, you know, we, we want people to be ready to come. And um, she had just really finished her, she was just six months into the program. And uh, my background is in substance abuse and addiction. And, and I had some questions about her, her readiness. Uh, but within the first couple of minutes of hearing Tammy speak, I knew that she was hungry you know her heart is open for this change and uh she really hasn't looked back that was in 2014. you know she's now in college uh she's in her third year of taking college courses she's uh she's working um at a low-wage job i might say but uh and just consistently engaged with our program and with the people coming through she's active in sessions uh she wants to get the word out she's been active in the her local community with other drug court participants. Uh, and it's, it's just an amazing story of resilience and strength that um, I think has been really validated by her work through with others through this program. That's the power of it too, is, is you know, people come in from different, uh, different circumstances, you know, different factors, but, but there's a real common ground uh, in that struggle that that women find and connect to. Just hearing that story just makes me realize that you all are doing like literally life-changing work. Like it's changing people's lives, the stuff that you were doing. And that's why I love the Good Giving Challenge, right? The, yes. the kind of the point of us talking today. I love the Good Giving Challenge because it's, we're able to showcase and tell the stories of, of things that are happening in great organizations like your all's. And it's just such an honor for me to be able to speak to you two today just because I realized like there's there's a lot of bad that's happening in the world but also there's so much good and like look at the example of that and like life-changing work so I know this will also be a tough question but the good giving challenge is on the horizon and our listeners want to know why they should be giving to you where, where will the resources go where will the money go you've already given us a ton of examples but just specifically to that question why should people give to you well, I think that what we do is unique because we focus on an overall personal development, on overall personal development throughout the lifespan. Uh, you know, we aim to make lasting relationships with women um, over time, and, and we serve a diverse group of women. That's also part of our aim. Uh, from age 18 to infinity, uh, we just determined <laughs> because we, we might have in a group, you know, someone in their 60s or 70s, possibly, uh, and someone in their early 20s or late teens. 
And to see the bonds that form is just incredible. And the, the, the agency, really, the, the self-awareness that occurs between them and is, is just awesome. So I think that aspect of it, the serving women over time and the intimate work that we do, um, meeting people where they are and creating common ground it's the women who come that do the really hard work yes uh, that personal uh development level that that real deep intimate work that is required of all of us to do we just hold the space for them we carve out uh, the space in our classroom, which I'm in right here. And we use our resources, our community partners, our funding, our, our donors, uh, those resources we use to provide them with all of the, the best information, the best tools and materials that we can offer them to help in that work. Yeah, so I usually at the end of these, we're running to the end. Um, I just want to make sure I give you an opportunity to give our listeners everything you want them to know about what makes your organization so great. So here's an opportunity to say anything you haven't said yet or anything I haven't asked you, just an open minute or so, just to say whatever you want to say. I would say there's no force more powerful than a woman determined to rise and um, make changes with confidence and belief in ourselves and our abilities, we can move mountains and reverse tides. So um, the women we serve throughout Appalachia are intelligent, compassionate, resilient, capable and strong, and also marginalized with limited access to education and employment opportunities. Over 90% of the women we serve or that apply to our services have incomes that are below 10,000, family incomes that are below $10,000. Culture and environment and issues related to women's roles and access are longstanding barriers that we have to address and change. Um, And we try to do that with our work. And we do this working with each woman um, on a personal level to say you're not alone in the struggle. Before we go, I just want you to shout out um, maybe your website or your social media or anything where people can come and find out what's happening and get involved. Absolutely. You can like us on Facebook, New Opportunity School for Women. Um, we are working on developing Instagram and, and Twitter as well, but right now our Facebook is our, our strongest social media platform. And our website is nosw.org. Uh, you can go there to see stories uh, about the women that we serve, learn more about the programs, all of our applications are there, all of our, our graduate support um, endeavors are listed there as well. We offer scholarships, dental funds, healthcare funds for all of the graduates of our program. So I hope you have time to check that out. And thank you, Kaiten, for this opportunity and, and the great work that you're doing in, in spreading the word about all the wonderful organizations that serve the region. Yes, thank you. Thank you all so much. And everyone go check out the new Opportunity School for Women and everything. Jimmy and Jennifer just mentioned, my new friends, you were a dynamic duo today. So thank you for sharing. And we hope everyone goes and checks you out during the Good Giving Challenge. Thank you. One love guarded by two wings. This is the phrase we're going to learn about today, and we are excited to invite Kiva Williams, the executive director of Rima Word Foundation, and she's going to share more about their work, which is committed to abuse prevention against women, seniors, and the negligence of children throughout our community. So, hello, Kiva. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Hello. Good morning. Sure. Let's jump right into it. So, tell us more about the mission and values. Yeah, our mission is to restore lives to a new normal through love and compassion for women and children who are survivors of abuse. Um, We started this mission out of just so many different reasons. Uh, One of the main reasons is I lost my child in 2004, so that mission came about to help restore lives. Knowing the origin of the name of something really helps to understand the vision. And I was looking at your website and there, I feel like there's a lot that has gone into the name of this nonprofit. So can you explain how that came to be? Yeah, sure. Um, Again, my little girl's name was Arima. And um, I kind of took 
her name in spin kind of a biblical sense to it and made it rhema word because uh, rhema of course is a spoken word from god so i just felt like it was just the perfect fit with her name being a rhema and um rhema in the in the scripture so i just kind of tied the two together and made it rhema word <laughs> i love that so you provide an array of services to the community and i was just looking at them such as there's so many such as food individuals and families facing food insecurity hygiene products group counseling financial assistance, all of that stuff. So with all that you do and offer, is there a story from your time that has particularly affected you? Of course, yeah. Um, I literally was devastated for 11 years straight. I I feel like I wandered the wilderness for 11 years. And all of those particular services that Raymond Word Foundation offers, I felt like I was in need of. Um, I needed counseling. Um, not that I didn't go and get it. It was just a certain kind of counseling that I was looking for. I was ma- mainly looking for counseling from someone who went through what I went through or, you know, who could understand on, um, uh, I guess, to a more kind of connection to what I was, you know, going through, not just someone who has been trained to become a counselor, but you know, who has actually experienced a tragic loss or untimely death. So I needed that type of group counseling. I needed, um, I needed clothes. I needed food. I needed hygiene products at times. I literally was homeless for many, many years living from out of a tote from a car uh, because my whole world was just devastated. So I was, you know, at that time I needed something like Rainbow Word Foundation, something to help me restore my life. So uh, as I sat down, my husband and I sat down and we thought about some of the resources that we need to offer the community, especially to women in, uh, who have experienced untimely death pertaining to a child. Um, those were the key factors. You need financial assistance. You, uh, and you need hygiene products. You need food. And those were the basic necessities that we came up with. Wow. What a powerful story. Thank you for sharing. No, no, no problem. So earlier in the introduction, I mentioned one love guarded by two wings. I saw that on your website. Explain that. What does that mean? Okay. So, um, my husband had a really, really close friend who passed away many years ago and his nickname was one love. So he, he was, he was adamant about I guess, putting him and including him into our whole vision, overall vision, I just sat down and I said, well, since it's Rhema Word Foundation and it's, and we also known as Rhema Wings, I said, why don't we just make our slogan, one love guarded by two wings? He, of course, he loved it. He loved it. He was like, oh my gosh, how did you come up with that? Because it is one overall love and it's the love of God that you know, uses us to go out into the community um, without judgment, without, you know, criticism or any of that. Uh, We just, we try to uh, exude just one type of love and that's just a genuine agape love. Sounds like you all have a lot of personal stories that have led to this organization coming to life, which means it means a lot. And to you, it'll mean a lot to those who are involved. Yes, yes. The Good Giving Challenge, which is the reason why we're talking today, right? It's such yes. a way to showcase how different organizations are meeting the needs of our community. But why should people give to the Rhema Word Foundation through the Good Giving Challenge? Well, we do a lot of things in the community. Uh, we help seniors with, especially seniors, our seniors and our disabled and veterans, uh, we try to give them food throughout the community. We literally go from door to door uh, through our signups. You can actually sign up through our website for uh, either a prepared meal or a food box. And we actually go out and hand deliver those meals. Um, so that's just one reason why, you know, because we, so we, you know, take care of our, our seniors and we take care of our veterans. Um, and then also, we, we supply resources to our mothers, our single parents who need uh, a helping hand. We don't say that we give you a handout, but we give you a helping hand. And that's our helping hand food ministry, uh, I should say our food uh, program, our helping hand food program. Um, 
Yeah, so we do that. And so all the resources uh, and funding that we get goes right back out in the community. Um, so that's our overall goal, goal is to just make sure we take care of this community, especially with COVID-19 um, that happened last year it was devastating to uh, the whole community, the whole world. It just devastated us. And a, a lot of our seniors are still afraid to go out and you know, grocery shop. So we, we provide those necessary needs for them. We've done a great job. We're coming to the end of our time here. I feel like it was quick. <laughs> I want to keep talking to you, but I want to make sure you give the listeners everything they need to know about the Rainbow Word Foundation and leave them sure. everything you want to say. So just the last opportunity to give any other information that you want to share. Well, I will highlight one thing. Um, another reason for, um, opportunity to donate to the Raymond Ward Foundation. Uh, last year, we had two little girls. One was 11, one was seven, uh, who lost their mother on Thanksgiving Day to COVID complications of COVID-19. And we were able to, with the help of the community, with the help of the community, we were able to supply Christmas uh, wish list to them. Everything they, they asked on that on their wish list, which was so humble. They had humble askings, you know, um, just, you know, toothbrush, toothpaste, things like that. But we asked them, you know, what is it that you really want? So they, they put hoverboards and things like, but we were able to supply that whole list and things like that. That really touches my heart because those little girls lost their mom and they still little. And they don't understand about COVID-19 or any of that. But we were able, with the help of the community, to place a smile on those little girls' face. Even if it was just for one day, we were able to do that. And I'm so grateful for that opportunity. So, yes, please donate to the Raymond Ward Foundation. We need all the support we can get. Last thing, I want people to know how to get involved or learn more about you. So shout out your website, your social media, anything so our listeners can yeah. get in. Yeah, sure. So if you want to get involved and volunteer uh, and become a holiday helper, we, we are launching our holiday campaign. If you want to become a holiday helper, feel free to go to RaymaWings.com. You can go to uh, Facebook.com forward slash RaymaWings, Instagram, RaymaWings, Twitter, RaymaWings. So yeah, just come out. We would love to have you get involved. We are asking for all the help we can get. We have an opportunity where we're passing out 100 Thanksgiving food boxes this year. So we definitely, definitely need volunteers for that. Well, yes, you do. <laughs> Thank you so much for sharing about the Rainbow Word Foundation and for actually doing tangible good in our community through the stories that you told and making it better for everyone. So we hope everyone checks them out in the Good Giving Challenge. Thank you. Thank you, Keaton. BGCF is thrilled to hear from Lisa Hanneberg, the board chair for the Lexington Writers Room. And we were just excited to hear more about their story. This is their first time participating in the Good Giving Challenge. And so we can't wait to hear all about them and why everyone should be looking them up on bggives.org coming up here soon. So welcome, Lisa. How are you? Thank you so much. And we're thrilled as well, uh, particularly as a newer nonprofit. We can't wait to be a part of the messaging for this um, Good Giving Challenge. Why don't you just take us into a little bit of your world and into the mission and the values of the Lexington Writers Room? Sure. The Lexington Writers Room is a space. Uh, we actually have six rooms and they're tricked out. And by tricked out, we mean comfortable and welcoming. Uh, and it's a place where writers come to write. Uh, it's also a place where we share craft techniques. We have meetings, we do author readings, and we might even do some book launches. So it's a literary space that's very much at the beginning of the creation process. So our whole mission and our core mission is to support writers such that they write more and they build their readerships. So uh, we're right downtown, a block away from the Carnegie Center, and we uh, partner with the other literary organizations in the area. But we're, we're where the work gets done. And it's, uh, it's amazing to be in the space around other writers. Because, you know, most writers are producing their work at a kitchen table or a home office. They may not even meet their publishers or editors 
or other writers. Uh, and these days, if they do, it might be on Zoom or through email. So it's a real important space to both be on your own writing in a quiet room, uh, at a desk or a standing desk, or even at one of our couches. Uh, but then also to be able to build relationships and build community when you need to and when you want to. Can you go a little bit more into maybe the types of programming that you do? I don't know if you just provide the space and then that kind of stuff, or if you also have programs or workshops or anything like that. Uh, we, we do a little bit of both. So uh, our core mission is that writers come here to write. So it's a, like a subsidized workspace. So if you think about in downtown Lexington or any city, you've got co-working spaces, you've got individual offices. Most writers can't afford to have that kind of dedicated workspace. So we provide subsidized workspace. That's the nonprofit nature of the organization. In addition to that, we have several uh, programming options for our member writers, which would include things like write-ins. That's where we all kind of get together and produce lots of words and, and share and feed off of each other. Um, we also will do, we have monthly book discussions, book launches, that type of things. We also do some programming that are for readers to join with us. So we'll have authors that will share their work whether individually or in a panel. We actually had uh, Gwenda Bond as one of the founding board members of our organization, and she just had her book launch event uh, here at the Lexington Writers Room. At the same time, it was hybrid and being broad, uh, broadcast uh, virtually on Zoom. And so we do both writers sharing with other writers and writers sharing with readers. But of course, for the last two years, it's really been focused on just people working. Um, we've done some um, virtual and some Zoom events, but we haven't really kicked into gear for obvious reasons with the COVID pandemic on the um, author readings and those kinds of things. Fingers crossed, that'll be coming real soon. Obviously, at BGCF, we love to know about the impact, all about those impact stories. Um, how are organizations really creating ripples within our community? So just in your opinion, what do you think is the greatest impact the Lexington Writers Room has in our community? I almost think that um, it's, we look at the process of creation and we, we look at uh, the lives of the creatives within Kentucky and the bluegrass. We have so many talented writers here. This is an amazing place for literary talent. But it's hard. It's hard to write. It's hard to get your words out there. It's hard to be published. It's hard to do all that. And our focus, our impact is really on helping our talented writers have successful and sustainable careers and to help them connect with some of those readers when writing tends to be very solitary. So we like to think that we're kind of at the at right at the creation process of our literary culture here in Kentucky and in the bluegrass. I love that. And I'm just curious about this personally, but what kind of stuff do you see come out of your organization? Is it more poems, children's books, novels, mystery, everything under the sun? Yes, the, 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 the last thing. But, but honestly, we have uh, currently, and remember, we're, we just started in 2020 and it's COVID, but we have about... Uh, 40 members currently, and they write in almost every genre. We do have screenwriters, we have poets, we have novelists, we have journalists, we have nonfiction writers, memoirists, I write mysteries, we have everything. And we're also very method agnostic. So if you are looking to go the traditional publishing route, Terrific will support you. If you're looking to explore self-publishing, Terrific will support you. If you're looking at this point, you don't even know because you haven't yet published, that's awesome. So as long as you're an active writer in any genre, this is a place for you. That leads perfectly into the next question, which obviously I know you'll love this question because it's about stories and obviously you love stories. So 
I know you write stories all the time and you hear about people writing stories where you are, but I didn't know if you had a particular story from your time at the organization that really affected you or that you would like to share. Yeah. And, and actually there are two quick situations I'd like to share because they're so different. The first one is I can remember a Saturday and by the way, our members, we, we have, although this is a 200 year old building with lots of, um, very, you know, great vibe. Uh, it's also modern and our members can access it at any time. But I remember one Saturday afternoon, and this was when, um, you know, and our members are all fully vaccinated and, um, and they spread out. It's a, it's a, a large space with, with a lot of rooms. But I remember I was talking with one of the other board members. And at that moment in time, we actually had six people, one in each room, all writing in in very diverse uh, genres. And I was just sitting there going, this is happening. This is, this is what we intended. And so that's, that's, that's a quiet story, a quiet, and it was safe and it was comfortable even amidst the, the pandemic. The second one is our first group writing that, write-in that we had. Uh, it was a 9.30 to five, come and let's see how much we can create together and at any given time there would have been maybe between 10 and 20 writers again all together safely but there were moments where you saw these conversations where uh, perhaps someone who's more experienced or uh, just has a natural talent for plotting was sharing their te techniques on how to get out of a, a stuck moment where the story seems to get stalled. And then you'll have someone else suggest ways to submit some work. You saw all these little conversations going and that was a more social version of this, wow, this is working, this is what we intended. And I can remember just thinking, you know, in spite of our timing, which was terrible to sweet, we actually opened our doors for the launch three days before the state closed for COVID. <laughs> so, so it's been both strange and magnificent in the quiet moments, but also when we get together and we see these light bulbs, these creative light bulbs going off. And as writers, we may think that we don't need other people at, in some moments, but we do, we want it. Uh, we appreciate it and that community is just so important so there were, those were two specific things that happened that were so different but are exactly why we're here i love that and i love the phrase strange yet magnificent i think that's so good i feel like that describes my life <laughs> but um so obviously you all are new to the Good Giving Challenge, which is really the whole reason why I'm talking with you today. And I'm super excited to hear about you being a first timer just because it's just so much fun. And I love to see new organizations just find their little niche within it and just have a lot of success in their first year. So just have a little pitch right now for all the listeners. Why should people give to you all through the Good Giving Challenge? Yeah, so although you may not see us in the news as much as maybe you know someone who's holding performances for 300 and 400 people and you know every weekend we are where the work where articles books your favorite novels uh screenplays that you're going to see on tv a couple of years from now we're actually where it's getting made and we're helping the people who are creating amazing stories, many of them with Kentucky roots. We're helping them with all their self-imposed barriers and societal imposed barriers. And so if you care about the literary arts getting done, um, then we do hope that you will support our organization and engage with us um, when it comes time, when we can safely start holding some readings and, and uh, start featuring some of our, um, our writers and authors. I, I would also just give a pitch to anyone who has that creativity inside of them. It's really important to support all of it, whether someone wants to write poems, a novel, screenplay, or award-winning journalism, and we've got all of those, it all matters. Everyone's story matters, but sometimes it's really hard to get it out. And, and so we're committed to helping 
stories come to fruition. And we, we do hope that we'll get your support. I love the, you know, as humans, we oftentimes just focus on the end product, the book in our hand, the movie on the screen, and we forget about the process that happens to get there. And that is such a cool thing that you all are creating a space where that process is honored and, you know, supported. And that's super cool. I mm -hmm. really love that. Last question before we end here, you've done an amazing job, but I just want to make sure that you say everything that you want to say about your organization. So here's your opportunity to say one last thing, maybe something I did ask you or something that you wish people knew, just your last opportunity. So we're, we're really thankful and humble. Um, as I mentioned earlier, we sort of started at a very weird time and uh, it has been through the support of those who have seen that what we're doing matters. I, I also just wanna, you know, share our love and thanks to all of our members who are creating work amidst, you know, through the last two years of weird upheaval. Uh, it, it takes a village sometimes to figure out what are going to be the helpful things that make it work. So we're thrilled and, and thankful to be succeeding um, in the face of this. And um, we intend to make a big impact in not only the lives of the writers that we serve, but the work that comes from this community and that we can all feel proud of. And of course, our, our website, which is just lexingtonwritersroom.com and .org, uh, it, it shows all our members and shows what we're up to. And at any time, if you're curious about us, um, th those links will all go to the Good Giving profile that we've got up there. And we've got lots of pictures, too, of our inside space. So if you're curious about that, please do check out our pictures and ask any questions. I love it so much. And I appreciate, as a reader myself, uh, what the work you're doing and hopefully one day I can read a book or a poem or something that comes from you all which is really great so Lisa thank you for sharing your story with us and we hope all of our listeners go check them out on bggives.org all right everyone that is it thank you for tuning in we hope you were encouraged by the stories of good happening right here in our community I definitely know that I am Make sure you tune in next Monday at 2 p.m. for more good stories and the next installment of the Do Good Radio Hour.